Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. Thank you for everything that you've already done in this service. And Lord, I thank you for all of your blessings that you pour out upon us. Lord, you are so generous with us. So generous. So generous. Lord, we could never, ever repay you for everything. All the goodness and the graciousness and the faithfulness, the favor that you've put on our life. But Lord, we give our life to serve you consecrated to you, to give you glory and honor and lift you up in all things, for you are good and your mercy endures forever. And Lord, I thank you that even tonight, that even as you've begun already to touch people, to break bondages off, to set them free, to stand them back up on their feet, I thank you, Lord, that you bless us right now. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you make your word real and alive on the inside of us. I thank you, Lord, that your word is, is our anchor, and your word is, is our strength, and you, you, your wisdom guides and leads us. By your wisdom, Father, you light our way, and you make our path straight before us. And so we thank you for today. Today is the day that you have made, and we'll rejoice and be glad in it. We rejoice and be glad in each and every day that you give us on this earth to love you and serve you and honor you, Father. May our life only ever reflect your blessings and your glory. May the goodness people see in our lives always bring glory to you. And Lord, right now, as we go to your word, I thank you that you anoint my lips to speak your word. And I thank you that you anoint every ear to hear what you're saying and every heart to receive all that you have for them tonight. Thank you that not one person will leave this place the same way they came. And Lord, even those who are watching um, over the internet or watching later this video. I thank you, Lord. You touch them where they're at. You meet them. You speak to them. I thank you, Lord, that when we come in, when any person comes in contact with you and your spirit, your anointing, that we will never be the same. And thank you, Lord, already that even as people have been delivered and bondages broken, I thank you, Lord, we see that for the people watching right now, wherever they are around the world, whatever their situation. Lord, I pray for those that, that are in difficult situations and marriages and, and all kinds of terrible situations and circumstances. But I thank you, Lord, you are greater than our situation and greater than our circumstance. And so, Father, I, and I thank you that as they grab a hold of your word by faith, that they will see the breakthrough and they will see the deliverance and they will see the turnaround and that you will get all the praise, honor, and glory. And so we thank you for it, Father, in advance. And everybody said, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So, I'm going to carry on tomorrow talking about what we started the last couple of days, is just talking about um, being straight, uh, going straight, and then leading straight. So we're going to be talking about that probably tomorrow. But I just wanted to go a, 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 bit, a little bit different direction tonight. And uh, Psalm 21 verse 6 says, King David, he said, um, he's, he's speaking to the Lord, and he said, He's speaking about all these wonderful things that the Lord has done for him. 
And then he says in verse six, for you have made him most blessed forever. You have made, it, made him exceedingly glad with your presence. And the Amplified renders it this way, you make him to be blessed and a blessing forever. I heard this message back in 1982 when I was pregnant with Kirsten in my first trimester and uh, sitting in a conference. And in fact, it was Carolyn Savell and she preached this message on blessed to be a blessing. And I grabbed a hold of that and I want you to grab a hold of that. And I want you to, to comprehend and understand that you are blessed and you are a blessing. And the reason that the Amplified renders it blessed and a blessing is because it is translated in the Bible, both blessed and a blessing. So the two are inextricably tied together. God blesses you and makes you a blessing and you are blessed because he blesses you and then you are a blessing and then he blesses you and then you are a blessing and you're just blessed and you're just blessed coming in and you're blessed going out and you're the head not tail and you're not beneath and, and, and you're just blessed and you can't help it and, um, and the world looks at it and they don't understand it and they might be jealous and envious of you and they don't have to be because they could have what you have too if they'll just surrender their life to Jesus, hallelujah, and you just keep going and you just keep being blessed and everybody's freaking out all around you and they they're going down the tubes and they're speaking death and you're speaking life and you're just being blessed and you can't even just help it because you're blessed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now that word there, that is Barocco, which is just means blessed. It means, it means liberal, generous, hallelujah, more than enough. Um, it means source of blessing, prosperity, the praise of God, a gift, a present. It means a, a, a treaty of peace, a, a benediction. You know, they do the benediction in a religious way in church, you know, may the Lord bless you. But it's, it's, it's not just a religious thing that we do, it's a real tangible thing that God does and who God is in our life. From the moment you're born again, you are blessed. Yeah. Hallelujah. And you can't help yourself, you're gonna be blessed until you see him and, and up into eternity, you're gonna be doubly blessed, hallelujah. And so, it actually means pool as well. So I just say pool of blessing. You're just like dunked in the blessing. You're just like immersed in the, drowned in the blessing. <laughs> Whichever way you want to look at it, you are blessed. Now that the other word blessed that's in, uh, when Leah talks about, she names her child Asher, her son Asher, and says, although everybody's going to call me blessed because God's given me this son. Um, and it's also the word in Proverbs 31, 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. And that word is Osho. And so, or Oshar, and that means, this one is powerful because it means, as we've spoken about, it means to be blessed, successful, fortunate, prosperous, um, happy. It also means to be straight and level, um, honest, right, upright, erect, firm, and strong. It also means um, to go straight, to go on, to walk, to advance and make progress. So if you're blessed of the Lord, you, you're never gonna be stuck where you are. You're always gonna be moving, always making progress. And then also leading and guiding. And so that is, uh, you know, we are blessed to be a blessing to others. So we're gonna talk a bit more about that in, in the next day, like I said. But I just felt like I had a bunch of messages prepared and so I just feel like I'm gonna speak on this one and it is Proverbs 10 and verse 22. So this is one of my favorite scriptures, in fact, it is, it's just, it's like, you know, everybody has that, I mean, there's so many scriptures, how do you even pick one, right? But if you could just pick one, this has always been mine, Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. The first word blessing is baroko, the prosperity 
the blessing of God, that success, that fortunateness of the Lord makes one rich or sure. Again, blessed to be a blessing. We're just blessed. His blessing makes us rich. And it adds no sorrow. The Amplified renders it this way. The blessing of the Lord makes, it makes truly, truly rich. The real riches. Because the real riches are, first of all, your salvation. Because it doesn't matter how much money you have if you go to hell. It's, it's worthless. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and he lose his own soul? And so your soul is the greatest treasure that you can give to the Lord and that he can give you that brand new, make you a brand new creation so that you will never die. From the moment you are born again, you will never die. You, you'll just take this earth suit off, but you will never die. You are living in eternity now. You have eternal life now. Everything, all of God's promises are yours now. Amen. He, it makes truly rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Neither does toiling increase it. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can pay for or buy. It's a free gift. It has to be free because it's priceless and unaffordable. There's nothing you can do to earn it, and so you have to just receive it as a grace-free gift. And how sad it is that there's so many people out in the world that would rather run out, run after Buddha and Confucius and all these other crazy things and, and work to earn something, but they can't just humble themselves to bow their knee and declare Jesus Christ is Lord. And we have to understand that the Bible tells us that every person that ever lives, including every created being, every angel, every demon, including the devil himself, will at some point bow their knee and declare whether they like it or not, Jesus Christ is Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. So why don't we just humble ourselves now today to, to declare that he is Lord and experience all of the blessings of salvation instead of beating our brains out, being stubborn and doing things our own way and dying and splitting hell wide open. Amen. And so that's why it's so important that we preach the gospel to the ends of the earth and tell people so they have the opportunity to receive Jesus. Because how can people get born again if somebody doesn't preach to them? And how, you know, unless they hear, how are they going to hear unless someone preaches? How is someone going to preach unless they're sent? How is someone going to be sent unless they feel called and they've been anointed and they got born again? Amen. And so uh, that's the most important thing we can do is win people to Jesus, everything else on, on top of that is gravy, as they say, right? All the temporal blessings are just gravy on top of, but to have Jesus in your heart is the greatest treasure. So there is no toiling, there's no stress. Obviously, your salvation, you can't earn. Anything else that God blesses with you, you can't earn it. He just blesses. But it's out of, not out of earning, but it's out of a relationship. It's a, you know, people get all hung up on holiness, and they think holiness is clothes that you wear, or whether you wear makeup or not, or dangly earrings or not. And it, it hasn't got anything to do with those things that you do. It has to do with relationship. To be holy just means to be set apart and sanctified for Him. And so I'm, I'm not saved, and then I, I sin, and then I go and I repent, and then I sin, and then I go and repent, and then I sin, and I go and repent. And that's the way a lot of religious people live their life. They live their life constantly in, in guilt and condemnation. And some people even go, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm going to just go over here and just follow my flesh and I'm going to sin. 
But what God does is he does a work in our heart to where we repent, we turn around, we follow him, and we keep following him. And we don't go back to that vomit that we came from. Well, you want to be the dog going back to its own vomit? I mean, that's the grossest thing your dog can do. If you've ever seen a dog, dog vomit, they'll like eat it. They'll start eating it back up again. Well, you're not a dog, and you're not going back to your mess and your vomit. And who wants to do that? I mean, that's foul. That's disgusting. And yet people in the spirit, they do that. They go back, you know, to, to eat all that nonsense again. Well, God wants to set us free, and we're free to serve him. God gives us grace. He empowers us with his grace, not to cover up and, and just let us get away with stuff and live our life on that slippery creek bank of how much can I get away with and still make it into heaven. Why do you want to live that kind of a cursed life? We don't want to live the cursed life. We want to live the blessed life. Let's get as far away from the curse as we possibly can. Let's get as far away from sin and compromise as we possibly can. The Bible says we must avoid the very appearance of evil. And so, we, so you know, if, if, it, if it looks wrong, don't do it. And that'll save you from getting into trouble. Amen. And so this... The, the, the devil can't stop you from receiving Jesus and being born again, but he can try and tempt you to backslide, basically, cool down and, and lose your first love because then he can come and have his way in your life. And so you don't want to do that. And there's a lot of pressure put on people to be cool and to fit in with the in crowd and compromise what God has done in their life. Amen. And so as children of God, we need to make that stand. No, we don't think we're better than anybody else. But we, we, we have to guard our own heart because we know that we could be tempted just as good as anybody else and make a big, big, big mess of our life as much as anybody else can. So we're in no position to judge anybody else's decisions or where they're at or what they've done or what mess their life is in because we could be in that mess if we left ourselves open for it. And that's why we put the guardrails up and we put the protections in our life and we have accountability. Amen. 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 Of whatever it takes, whatever, and whatever's been a weakness in your past, don't, you know, make sure that thing you cordon off in your life, make sure you, you know, the power of sin is in its secrecy. So when we hide things and cover them up, it's like they have, it gives the devil more power and give that, that sin more power in our life. So we have to uncover it. You don't have to stand up in front of the whole church and tell them what a dirty, rotten sinner you've been, but you have to uncover it before God and admit it to yourself, right? And then some, a trusted person who can have grace and truth and love you and hold you accountable. Some of, we, we just, some of us just need that. We need to go to someone and say, look, this is a, an area of my life. Maybe you need to take my computer away from me. Maybe you need to, you know, just put it, and there's some things, if you're going to go on a diet, you need to, like, clean all the junk out of your house, because you can't just keep, like, chocolate cake in the fridge and then try and go on a diet. That's not going to work. So you have to, whatever, whatever the thing is, you've got to move it as far away from you as you can and get yourself detoxed off of that stuff. To where, and, and believe me, you can come to that, I, can come, I, I, I came to that place where I could say no to a donut. Do you know what I mean? Those things, okay, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to like start people like, ooh, I think I'm going to leave here and go get a donut. But, you know, <laughs> they, they, some, they just, they, they smell so nice. Like that Cinnabon stuff that just that like the, fills up the whole mall. And you smell it and then you want to go eat it. 
And, and it took me a while, it took me a few times of, you know, how many times have you, you know, Pavlov's dog, how many times do you have to get hit in the head? How many times do you have to eat that and feel, feel terrible for a week until you learn to say no when someone, oh, would you like a bun? Would you like a donut? No, thank you very much. I remember how I felt last time and I felt crummy for a week, so I'm not going to eat that stuff. And eventually you come to the place where you can say, eh, I'll give it a miss, no matter how nice it smells. It actually, it even stops smelling nice to you. And you know what, sin is the same way because it's like it, it, when we're stuck in it, it smells so nice and we always get, you know, people get sucked in after it because the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. But the wages of sin is still death even at today's current rate of inflation. And so if we give way to those things, <laughs> right? If we give way to those things, then again, and, it's, and the devil wants to trip you up, right, in sin to get you cut off from the Lord and then he's got, he's got a plan in it because he knows, okay, maybe you're gonna come back and say, oh, gee, I'm sorry, Lord, and you're gonna repent, but he's gonna still try to hold that guilt over your head. So we have to deal not only with just repenting of whatever we've done, but of getting rid of that guilt and letting the Lord wash that clean on us. And that's why sometimes we, do, we would do um, uh, you know, these big water baptisms, and we don't judge anybody. If you wanna come and get baptized again, come, because that, it, it's, it's a, not only is it a point of contact, but it's actually, the Bible speaks of how it's an actual washing of your, your, the soulish area of your life, your mind. And you, you're born again, your spirit baptized in water, it's something that happens. We have so many people delivered of things in that, you know, into that water that they didn't even expect it. I mean, some people made it at a point of contact. Some people didn't even expect Some people come up just speaking in tongues. Um, we've had people, like for instance, people that have been conditioned in, you know, we had one amazing testimony that it wasn't ours, it was somebody else's testimony, but uh, that they'd actually shared with a, a man who had, was raised in Islam, right? So that stuff is spoken over them from very tiny, from in the cradle. And he had given his life to the Lord, but he was, he slayed all this, these strongholds in his mind. And it could be anything, it could be anything, it doesn't have to be Islam, it could be anything in your life. You still have these strongholds in your mind. And they took him and they baptized him in water in the swimming pool immediately. And he said it was like everything vanished from his mind. Stuff that had been ingrained into him his entire life, it's like the Lord wiped it out. So there's a powerful point of contact with the water baptism. So never negate that just as, oh, we just do it as it's like it's just a ritual, right? It's something powerful. When we partake of communion, it's not just a ritual, something powerful is happening. It's a, it's a point of contact, it's a connection, and the Lord can touch us, He can heal us, He can deliver us. There's forgiveness, whatever it is that you need. And I love that scripture that says God's mercies are new every morning because it doesn't matter how we mess up, every morning is an opportunity for a reset. <laughs> Hallelujah, isn't that awesome? I, I, that's, I'm, I'm so glad for that. And that God's forgiveness and graciousness, and he never runs out. I mean, if he tells us you gotta forgive 70 times seven, he's gonna forgive and he's, he's, he's going to forgive and he's gonna forgive and he's washing it away. He's throwing it in the ocean of forgetfulness as, as far as the east is from the west. He wipes it away like it never existed. And we just have to stop beating ourselves up over it and receive by faith God's forgiveness and love and, until, and just by faith believe it until we receive it and we know and we understand that we are forgiven. So grace is not there just to let us get by with, with stuff that's, that's taking us in, because it's, the more you, you know, sin is bondage. The more you yield to sin, the more place you give the devil in your life. And so don't give him place. What does the Bible say? Don't give him place. Don't give the devil a place in your life. Grace empowers you to serve God. 
That's what grace. Grace, the grace of the Holy Spirit is the power to serve God. So we are born again. Now the grace is there to help us to serve God, to honor Him, to lift up His name, to walk away from sin, and to walk righteously and godly in this world with all of the pressures of the world. And, and even a lot of people have to deal with things in their own home, of ungodly people in their own home. I mean, we look at it with a lot of the young people. We get them saved, and they have to go back. You know, they're still in school. They're still young. They're still under the, the jurisdiction of parents, and the parents are not doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, most of our problems are actually not with the teenagers. They're with the parents. They're not with the kids. They're with the parents. But they get the parents straightened up because we, we minister to the kids, and they go home, and the parents foul it all up again. So, you know, the parents need the spanking. The parents are the ones that actually need... They need, the parents need to be, we need to have a youth meeting, we need to have a meeting for the parents too, get them straightened out, and, uh, and teach them how to love their children, and speak life over their children, and encourage them, and not talk rubbish to them, and, and beat them up, and nag them, and label them, and, and you know, give, because kids will generally meet your expectations. People will, whatever you expect, they're going to meet it. And if you set the bar low, and if you really tell them, I don't trust you, and, I, and, I, and, and, and you're unworthy, that's how they're going to behave. They're going to stop even trying. But if you tell them th that they're loved, and they're blessed, and God has blessed them, and, 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 and speak life and speak the word over them, not just empty flattery. A lot of people praise their kids with empty, empty flattery. Nobody's, no, even a child understands that, that, that it's not sincere. It needs to be sincere. Praise them for their accomplishments, not just, oh, you're so pretty. What are you saying to them? Oh, you're so pretty, you're so cute. We, not that we don't say that to them, we do say those things, but we need to praise them for the good choices that they make. That's where the self-confidence comes from. Amen. Otherwise, you just create a generation of narcissists. You do. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's an actual phenomenon of... of parents that, you know, give their kids empty praise, or they, they have all these high expectations of what everybody else thinks. The Instagram life, I call it. You know, present this good, you know, it doesn't matter how, what a mess the house is in, in the home and the family, present this image to everybody. And so if you, if you set this bar for your kids of this, you know, I mean, they've got to play the violin and be ballet and be the best and be the very best so that they make you look good, but you don't give them the love and the emotional support. That's how you grow a narcissist. They grow up empty. They grow up feeling um, unloved. They, they feel like they have to impress everybody, so they'll lie just to make people, you know, think that there's something, and they can't be themselves. And God wants to break that spirit off of us, right? He wants to break that thing off of us of where we're always trying to be fake, to be something we think someone else wants us to be. I'm so thankful for Jesus and what he did in my life and his unconditional love. Amen. And I am also eternally grateful for the great husband that he gave me and the example that he is, that he loved me as I was. Because I had, you know, and I'm sure some of you could relate, but I... I in some ways, I, I, was, I had some confidence. I wasn't going to go marry some turkey. You know, I didn't feel like, no, I'm better than that. And not in an arrogant way, but no, dude, forget about it. So, you know, when I met him, he's the first person I ever was like, I could marry this guy, so I did. No, anyway, <laughs> it wasn't quite like that. But I, he, I trusted him. I knew I could trust him with my life. I knew he wouldn't cheat on me. I knew he would take care of me. And uh, this, what he did for me, but I always thought, you know, that you, you get married, 
you fall in love, get married, and then you just tolerate one another. I don't know why I thought that, but I did. Um, and then I, I also thought, well, if, if they really get to know the real me, they won't stay. They'll leave. They'll abandon me. I don't know why I thought that either. But I know a lot, a lot of us have, you know, this internal tape recorder. And you can look on the outside. You might look beautiful and confident and fine. And inside, your tape recorder of this negativity is playing. And you don't even know where these things came from. You don't even how, know how these seeds were planted in your life. I mean, it could, it could be generational curses, except that that thing is broken from the moment that you are born again. Amen. And, um, and all the devil has is the power of lies, so he can try and keep you in that old bondage, but you have to understand that the line was drawn in the sand, and it's a line in the blood, and the devil can't pass over that, but he can keep us defeated if we don't know what's in our covenant, right? So that's why we need to know what's in our covenant, and we need to stand up, and we need to say, no, devil, that's, that's, not, that's not what it says here. This is what it says here, and it's signed in the blood of Jesus, and you just take your stuff and your lies, and you get out of here. And But what my husband showed me was someone that could love me consistently for the rest of my life, and he could know me very, very well and still stay and still love me and still accept me and love me with all the things that I saw as my flaws, both in personality, character, you know, whatever we look at ourselves in the mirror, is my butt too big, did my butt look big in this, whatever. I, so it was whatever I was like, oh, I, I don't like this part of myself. He's like, I love that part of you. I was like, you why? But <laughs> in the beginning, you know, why do you? No, not really. It was like, thank you, Jesus, that you gave me a man that could love me unconditionally and show me the unconditional love of the Lord. And I, so I feel like there was such a great healing that took place in my life through what Jesus Christ did and then and my husband. And he's been that blessing to me. And I'm so thankful. And I pray, if you're not married yet, I pray that kind of a man in your life that will love you unconditionally. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and it's not impossible. With Jesus, all things, are all things are possible. So God will grace us to love and respect our husbands, right? Because we need love. We need that un unconditional love from them when we expect that from them and they, they need to give that to us. But we need to unconditionally respect them. And, and women, it's, it's amazing how. Oh, yeah, 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 he must unconditionally love me. And then you talk about unconditional respect. Are you kidding me? Respect that dude? <laughs> Yeah, I'm married to him, but, you know, oh, the rolly eyes. Don't ever roll your eyes. That's a sign of disrespect, intense disrespect. If, if married couples roll their eyes at each other, that's, that's not good news for the marriage. And your teenagers, they, you know, don't let them roll their eyes. You need to, the rolly eyes stops when they're two years old. You don't allow. No rolly of the eyes. It's incredibly disrespectful. And, um, yes, I do like that emoji, and it's very handy for some things, but... <laughs> I do not direct it as my husband or my children. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like it, when, but you know, that's just the flesh, and so we have to repent. But anyway, <laughs> so we show unconditional respect to them. We respect them because God says so. What does the Bible say? It says, honor and respect your parents, and you'll live a long time on the earth. Not because they were perfect parents, but because the Lord commanded you to. So I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to honor and respect my parents, but just because they're my parents, no matter what. Amen. And so we need to be the same way with husbands. Yes, he can maybe earn your trust, but your respect you need to just give. That is your blessing to him. That doesn't have to be earned. And you'll be amazed when you show respect to your husband, the change that you will see and improvement in every area of your marriage, if you can do that. If you can humble yourself to do that. 
if you can serve your husband in that area and respect him because that is how, that is how he receives and interprets love. When you respect him, he believes that you love him, right? Because we can say all day long, I love you, I love you, I love you, but it's the action of love that actually proves it. And so he shows, we expect him and we, we desire him to show unconditional love to us and thank God that for a husband that does, and then we need to show them unconditional respect. Amen. And none of that was in my sermon, but I thought I'd just throw it out there for free. I had to say it at least once in the conference. Amen. And I'm so glad I did not feel, you know, sometimes you feel, you say stuff and you feel people freeze up on you, and you guys didn't. You're awesome. <laughs> you're well-trained in the things of the Lord. <laughs> you, you're a good woman. You are a good woman. Hallelujah. You are good gifts. You are a good woman. So the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow. God's default setting is blessing. He blessed Adam and Eve, in fact, he blessed all of creation, right? He blessed everything that he created. On the fifth day, he, he, everything he created, he looked at it, he said, it's good, I bless it. And then he finished creating everything, and he put the man and the woman in there, created them, and it says, and he blessed them. He blessed them. That was, that's God's default setting, is blessing, and God never changes his mind. God didn't change his, Adam and Eve screwed up, but God never changed his mind. And so the Bible says that Jesus was crucified from before the foundation of the earth. Before he made everything, he already made provision for salvation. Because he knew the choices we would make, but he still lets us make them. Amen. And he knew what Adam and Eve did, but he still let them explain it. And what did they do? Blame, blame, blame. I don't know what would have happened if they took responsibility. Well, I'm sorry, Lord, it was my fault, but... You know, oh, well, he, but she, but the, the serpent. And so the, the Lord said, oh, well, guess what? It's not going to be well with you people. Now this is what you've done. <laughs> this is not, okay, you're going to have to live with this. You know, there's some things that, there's some harvests. We can curse the harvest, you know, pray, rip the thing up by the roots. But there's some things we have to live with. There's some things, there's some choices that we make that we have to live with the, the, the results of what we've done. And so they had to live with the result of that. And we can blame them all day long, but we've made the same choice at some point. We made the choice to sin. As Paul said, I was alive once without the law, and then, you know, the law came, sin revived, I died. So if a baby dies, it's going straight into heaven. But when we reach that age of accountability, then we're accountable, and then we need to be born again. And that's why from the moment my children, I felt like that they could talk and communicate and understand, I prayed the prayer with them to receive Jesus. Two years old, three years old. Taylor was two years old because she was very, very verbal and at a very young age. And so we prayed with her two years and four months. She got, she got basically saved and baptized in joy and then later baptized in the Holy Ghost and just been, just been a blessing to us ever since. So thank God for that. Amen. So God will bless your children and your grandchildren. Amen. It's a promise. So what happened with Eve, Eve had everything she needed. She had everything. She was designed, built specifically. You know, um, the Bible says that God created the universe out of something that never existed. He created man, Adam, the two of them together in one being. He created them out of something that already existed, the clay, the dust, the dirt of the earth. And it said, then it took a, he took a rib out of Adam and he built her. 
He specially designed and built her. And so he took some things out of Adam that Adam doesn't have no more. He left some things in Adam that he didn't give to her. Overall, they're, they're identical beings except for a few, a few modifications, as it were. And he has some things she doesn't. She has some things he doesn't. And that's why we need one another. And that's how the two become one. And that was God's design from the beginning. And he said, go be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And he didn't say, stop when you get to seven billion because we're going to run out of things. We're never going to run out. God, the earth is not designed to run out. Amen. What brings lack is sin. What brings lack is disobedience. So the devil came, twisted God's word to them, and she listened and believed. She believed that she lacked, and she didn't. And you know, a lot of women believe that. They believe that lie. They believe that they're lacking something, and they're not. They're whole, they're complete, they're blessed of the Lord, and they still keep believing, well, something's missing, something's broken, and it's not. Amen. And they go looking to plug these holes in all the wrong places. And they go to all the wrong people to try and make something better when they already have, and it's already been provided, of everything that they need, and it's in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so thank God for that restoration. That we're not looking forward to something that's going to happen in the future, but something that already happened in the past and something that's ours right now. And that was ours back then, and it's ours right now. So everything we needed was done for us 2,000 years ago, but we appropriate it now, today, in our life, and we receive it, and we make it mine, and take it that personally. So here she believed the lie, and so we, 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 need, we must not believe the devil's lies to us in whatever, whatever area that they come from, that we're not enough, that you're not enough for your husband, that you're not enough to, as a mom, that you're not enough as a minister, as a pastor, that you are enough. You are, and every, God has equipped you. He's put everything in you that you need. And all you need to do is put your trust in Him. Amen. And if you feel like you're not enough, you just say, you know, Lord, I'm a big mess without you, but thank God I don't have to be without you. And so, Lord, I, I am what I, I come as I am. Just, just use me. If you can be glorified through my life, Lord, I will be content and I will be happy. Amen. And so, we, so the devil doesn't get to win whichever way. He doesn't get to win. He can lie all he likes, but he's not going to win. He's not, gonna, he's not going to defeat us. We're, we're going we're gonna to overcome. And we're going to serve God and give, give him the glory. So she ate the fruit. Her eyes were open. And now she knew the difference between good and evil, blessing and calamity. But she couldn't go back. You know, the Bible says that we need to choose Life or death or blessing or cursing, and it says, therefore, choose life. So we have a choice to make. And so she chose, and she understood now blessing and calamity and evil, uh, and good and evil, but it was too late. So sin cuts off the blessing of God in our life. We have to understand that God is for us and not against us. We have to know our covenant um, and uh, I, I shared with you at the beginning of the week, uh, my book, Covenant Woman, is coming out, so we're, just, we're working on it right now, so we'll have, I believe they do have some pre-sales at the bookstore, but, you know, for sure, look out for it, or just leave, put your name down so we can let you know the moment that it's out, and, and you can have it, and it's, um, uh, it's out of the first conference that we did, and knowing your covenant, and this covenant woman is strong in the Lord and the power of His might. 
because she knows her, she understands her covenant. And so we're not waiting. We don't have to go through some man. We have a covenant with God. Each and every one of us, we have our own covenant with God. And you look at all the amazing things that the Lord did in the Word, and some of the most amazing miracles were through women. She was just humble enough to receive, right, and to obey God. And so the Lord, don't, don't ever let the devil talk you out of, uh, you know, the God being able to use your life and bless your life and use you. So we have to understand the conditions of the covenant, and we need to meet the conditions, Amen, because every blessing, every promise comes with a condition that we have to meet. God says, if you will, then I will. If you will, then I will. So a lot of people are wanting God to do, but they're not doing the if you will part. So we have to do our part. God will do his part. And the blessing is a blessing of covenant, of restoration, of empowerment. Hallelujah. Authority, dominion is given. So they were given authority and dominion in the garden, and God restores that to us. We have authority. We have dominion. We have the name above every name, and every, every other name must bow their knee to the name of Jesus. And so we need to use that name. Use that name in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in everything, your ministry, everything that pertains to you, and watch what the Lord can do in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And then, so we have a responsibility before God. We have a responsibility to choose the blessing, to agree with God's word. We have a responsibility to line our life up with God's word and to refuse to accept anything else. We are not helpless and we are not hopeless. We are not a victim, but we are a victor. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And there's some people just insist on being a victim insist on being, I mean, you know, ladies, if you're in ministry, there's some, you, there's some people you want to help, and they just insist on being a victim. They insist on blaming everybody else but themselves. They refuse to look in the mirror, and they refuse to acknowledge that there's anything in their life that they need to fix. And you have to not be a victim. You've got to choose to be a victor. You've got to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, submit to Him, apply the Word to your life, repent, I mean, you know, the Bible talks about silly women, silly women that are led astray by manipulative men, manipulative people. And there's a lot of manipulative people that are full of the devil, ready to drag off silly women. Why are they dragged off? It's because of their sin. Jesus said, I'm the light, and there's people that stay in the dark because they choose that. They choose because their deeds were evil. So they stay in the dark because their deeds are evil, and so they won't come to the light to be set free because they're still too attached to the sin in their life. Amen. You know, I know some Christian ladies, bless their darling heart and stupid head, and, well, not so, anyway. <laughs> they need a spanking. But some of them, they, they, they go to church and they talk Jesus, and they're, they're always meddling in everybody else's business. They always have an opinion about what everybody else is up to. They know all the gossip, all the skinner, all the scandal. That's our South African word, the skinner. And that uh, means gossip. And, and I, I don't know what, it like, you know, makes them feel better about their life to like gossip about everybody else and drag everybody else down. We shouldn't, surely the Holy Ghost will convict you of that or have you like seared your conscience with that. And the worst is some of these people, it's like, you know that you 
you know, they got offended. Well, first of all, the Bible says that if you're walking in love, you're not going to be touchy, fretful, or resentful, right? So they, they get offended, and then you will go, okay, what, what, what did I do? And sometimes moms do this to daughters, which is very, all their kids. No, no, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then two weeks later, after they have marinated it, they vomited on you of you did this and you did that and you did the other. And you know what? If you're a pastor, you know there's some people that want to do that in your church as well. And ladies, are, are, unfortunately, a lot of times it's more ladies that tend to do this than the men. But they want to like, get mad at you and then come vomit all their rubbish on you. And you don't have to receive that. You don't have to even listen to it. You don't even have to. You know what? If you're going to come vomit on me, no, thank you very much. No. I, you know, because a lot of those people, they don't want help. Um, they don't want to be accountable. They don't want to fix it. They just want to unleash on you all their anger and frustration instead of coming to the Lord and repenting and letting God do a work in their life and setting them free. Amen. Hallelujah. So, and if you think I'm being hard on you, please, I've been hard on myself. I, I, I made a choice to make myself accountable before God for my crappy attitude if I ever had one. And there's times when I've had a bad attitude and felt very frustrated and whatever by life or your hormones or whatever, you know, and you're just like, and I've actually come to the Lord and I said to him, Lord, I have a bad attitude right now. I was mad at my husband or whatever it was. I have a bad attitude right now and I need your help. And you'd be amazed how fast help comes. I am telling you. Because you're sitting in this like victim cycle and you're grumpy and you're dealing with this thing. And then after you think, gee, why don't I just sit with this thing, you know, one day too many. I should have come straight to the Lord. And the moment you come, it's like, it's like, I'm telling you, it's like grace gets poured out on you. It's like he comes in and sets you free of all that stuff. You have a good cry and you pick yourself up and you feel all better. Thank you, Lord. You're so wonderful. You're so awesome. You're so, I mean, even if you don't have somebody to, I mean, you I mean, it's wonderful to have a human to cry on their shoulder, but God's got the best shoulders. And we can pour out, and we can be real with Him, and we don't have to worry, but we can tell Him everything. Do you know, I mean, there's times that I've sat with my husband because I've been going through things, and I'm, you know, and so I had to like unload on him, you know, my bucket, you know, the lady bucket, everything's in the same bucket. And so we have to unpack the bucket and tidy everything up and then put it back, and we need to... We need, a, a hus- we need grace on our husband so that they can sit there and listen to us while we unpack the bucket <laughs> and not try and fix the problem, but to help us, you know, to be understanding and help us feel like they understand how we feel, because that's what we want. We want, to, we want him to understand how we feel. And so that's the husband's job. Not, he can fix it later, but at the time, and what men do, because feelings freak them out. They, they do. That's the way their brains are because the testosterone, our brains are different, right? We're a little more connected to the two hemispheres and they are not. So intense emotions make their brains stop working. <laughs> it does. And that's why guys can get mad and they redline and they do really stupid stuff when they're angry, right? And God made them that way and it's not a, it's not a default, it, it, well, let me say, it's not a faulty setting. Um, it's actually, it's, it's, a good, it's a good setting. It works, it's, it's designed for good. I mean, anything can be good or bad, right? But, but that setting in boys is designed for good. So they can like switch things off and go into defend mode. They can pick up their sword and their shield and defend us. And 
and they can go in that place where they stop thinking about themselves, right? And they go to defend their family. And that's good when you want that, that's fine. But then sometimes, so then emotions get in the way of all of that, right? So when this emotion, you have to understand, lady, and you full of, and you bring in all this emotion to your husband, and some of them are just, they just leave the room. <laughs> and don't feel, I mean, hopefully they don't do that, but some of them just, they just can't cope, right? And so, <laughs> you have to understand, it's like fritzing them out. So men are actually very good at identifying the emotion, but they sort of, they, they shove it out the way because it, it's not convenient. They can't think straight while, while they're you know, picking up on all this emotion going on. So that's why they go to try and like, like they go to, oh, well, let's, let's fix this now, right? Let's go fix it mode. But what they have to do is step back. And I love that God made us so uniquely different. And so when we marry our person, then we can spend the rest of our life getting to know our person. So they're a boy, we're a girl, so we're very different because of those reasons. And, but then we're, we're unique, we're a mosaic, so I'm a very unique girl, and he's a very unique boy, so he's got to figure me out, I'm got to figure him. So we spend our life getting to know one another, how fun is that, until we see Jesus, right? So we don't get bored with one another, because he's always learning something else about one another. And so the important thing is learning how to communicate. And so then when, when we unpacking all of these things, and we're talking about them, and our husbands are there, and they're, oh, honey, give me a big hug, I know how you feel. And then it feels all, all better, right? And so how did I even get going that direction? There was something else I was going to say <laughs> concerning that, um, but all the jumble and the stuff and, oh, anyways, so, so you want to, but you can go unpack that with the Lord, even if you don't have a husband, right? So you can get real with him. I mean, there's been times I've been driving with, in the car and I just tell the Lord everything. Um, oh, I, I know what it was. But there were some things that I would tell, say to my husband that were, were fears and it was, it was, it was the tape recorder that played in my head of, of the negativity, beating myself up over things. And my husband would be, are you kidding me? You're awesome. So be, I would be like, you know, that once a month, I would be God's woman of faith and power until my estrogen went off the cliff. And then I'm like, I can't do this. Some, some, some of us get angry, some of us cry, I would cry. And I'm not, I was not a crier. I wasn't, but that's what would happen. Anyway. I can't, I'm a terrible mom, I'm failing at all of this, I feel so bad. And he's like, are you kidding me? You're awesome, you're the best mom, you're the best. And he would give me the pep talk. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like I don't feel like that, but I choose to believe you. <laughs> Thank you, darling. And he would pick me up off the floor, and then in a couple of days, I'd feel better, and I'm like, oh, I don't even know why I felt like that. Do you know what I'm saying? But, but thank God for a husband that could speak life into me and not go, yeah, you are a big mess. I mean, you don't need, you don't need those people in your life to like, agree with, your, with the stupid stuff you're saying. And he would be like, no, I don't even, that's not even true. That's not true. That's not true. And he would, he would help me see that it's just the lies of the enemy to defeat me. And he would tell me, he would, that's not true. That's not true. And that is not true. And that's why, we, that's why it's, it's a blessing to have a good husband in your life because men are given the gift of focus. And so they help us to focus. So we can help them see things that they don't see, and they help us to focus, right? Because they can watch and see where the golf ball goes. We, that's why I always had to go play golf with my husband. But a bunch of girls, the balls are goodbye. We don't know where they went. <laughs> where did it go? I don't know. I think it went that way. No, I think it went that way. The boy's like, that, right, and sure enough, it's right over there. It's just, they're blessed with the gift of focus. So they help us to focus, and then we add the sparkle to their life. Amen. And make their life all better. 
So, so here you've got this woman, she's in the garden, and she's just been a silly woman, and she listens to the devil, eats the fruit, and then pff, there she goes. Okay, so. <laughs> so God, God confronts them. He gives them an opportunity. They blame each other. And so he said, okay, <clears throat> can I give you a reality check now? God did not curse them. The devil cursed them. They brought the curse upon themselves by making, taking the authority God gave them and handing it over to the devil. And so, thank God, Jesus came, kicked the, beat the devil up badly, kicked his teeth in, took that authority and said, yeah, I paid, the, paid it for you. This is yours now. Now what are you going to do with it? And that's what the Lord said. He gives us his name. He gives us his, his authority. And we have no excuse. We have no excuse to be defeated. No more. We have no excuse to believe the devil's lies. No more. Because we have the word and we have the name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he said to her, he said, listen, I'm gonna, I will multiply your sorrow in conception. In sorrow or labor, you'll bring forth children. Your desire will be to your husband and he will rule over you. So there are, there's, there's, a, there's a, a seed that was planted of a harvest that has been reaped through, the, through, through woman. But look at what the Lord did. He redeemed the woman, he said, your seed will defeat the enemy, crush his head. He will bruise his heel. So God used a woman by the name of Mary. God does not hate women. We are not second-class citizens. In God's eyes, he sees us spirit. We are, we are all equal in his eyes in the spirit. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what language. It doesn't matter what heritage, Jew, Greek, whatever. It does not matter. The playing field is level. We come to God by faith. He washes us clean, and each and every one of us has a place in his kingdom and a role to fulfill. Amen. In the natural, our bodies are created different. We're created hormonally, physically, every way different. And so we need to enjoy being a woman and, and be the best woman that we can be. And our husband needs to enjoy being a man and our sons and our brothers need to enjoy being men and be men. Let's stop trying, let's not fall for the devil's lies of creating this androgynous thing, I don't know what, of everybody dressing the same, looking the same, you know, Maybe you like gray, that's awesome. I like color. My, my boys were in blue and my girls were in pink and, well, actually, no, there was many colors. I put them in all different colors. But I dressed the girl in girls' clothes and the boys in boys' clothes because that's what they are. So I had a friend whose brain was, con well, she, she woke up, she had her own children and woke up and smelled the coffee later. But she was, like, trained in psychology, you know, the, the stupid stuff, the, the dumb stuff that they teach them. And so she told me, well, well, boys become boys because we dress them in blue and treat them like boys, and girls become girls because we dress them in pink and dresses. And, they and I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Wait till you have kids, and you'll find out. I'm the oldest of five kids, boys and girls. I grew up in a preschool with my mother around many, 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 many children. Boys are boys and girls are girls, and there's nothing that you can do about it. They're genetically made that way, and they know what they are, and you don't have to lie to them and figure out. Just wait till they grow up a bit and figure out what gender they are. That's a total lie of the devil. There's two genders. Amen. Now, there's many um, sexual orientation choices of perversions that people have by believe the lies of the devil. And there might be 57 or 
75 or 105, I don't know how many, they keep making them up every day. But there are only two genders and you are never going to change that. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and that whole agenda is about sterilizing, sterilizing a generation. Because you start giving those hormones, you start cutting things off and rearranging things, they will never have children. They will actually never even have the blessing of a physical relationship. Because God created, sex is not impure, it's holy inside a covenant of marriage. Outside of a covenant of marriage is where the destruction happens, right? But inside that covenant, it's pure and it's holy and it's godly and God wants us to redeem it back. And it's, it's, it's a, the, a, it is wonderful, it's a wonderful gift to a husband and wife to cement the marriage and to cement their bond to one another. Because all of your hormones and everything join you together and it's, it's, it's the glue, it's your tithe in your marriage, ladies. Maybe, and you need to give tithes and offerings. <laughs> so all the husbands can go, Aimeya. I had no plan to talk about this tonight, but I guess this is where we're going. <laughs> so, so the devil's trying to lie to us and make us discontented with who we are. Tell boys, you know, to get in touch with their feminine side. And if, if we've ever been a part of that, repent right now. Amen. And anybody watching, because I'm sure nobody like has been like that in the room, but we want our boys to be boys. We want them to defend us. I want to be married to a man. I don't want to be married to someone who doesn't know what he is and I have to defend him. Now, anyway, I was gonna say, when it comes to Jonathan and Adalas now, and on the other hand, <laughs> never mind, I'm just kidding. He's, he's a man all the way, but, but Adalas has, she's got, she's got the equipment to, Take care of you. If, you. if you come to her house, call the ambulance. <laughs> she's going to defend herself. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I just had to throw that in for fun. I'm sure Jonathan's watching. Anyways. <laughs> so we want our men to be men. We don't, you know, I, my, my husband is in touch with his feminine side. I am his feminine side. <laughs> Amen. And I want him to be a man, and he's a man, and I'm thankful for that. So, hallelujah. So, we want to be who God has created us to be, to be the best that we can be, and not feel like we're inferior, because that's a lie of the devil. And I think that's a, the problem with women, we're always beating ourselves up, and always putting ourselves down, and we have to see ourselves through the eyes of the word, not be a snotty little spoiled princess, right, but a queen. Because a princess does know who she is. She's still trying to be something. She's still trying to prove something. And, but a queen knows who she is. She knows her authority. Amen. She knows who she is, and, and she knows what authority she has. She knows what she represents, and she is calm and peaceful in her standing of who she has been made. So be a queen. Don't be a princess. Okay. <laughs> so... And then to Adam, he said to him, look, the, the ground's going to be, the, now the, the ground's cursed. You, you've brought a curse on the ground. So now instead of uh, being in the garden, obviously they operated like God did. They had to, you know, he told them, tend the garden. So there was some, they tended, I don't know what they did, but they tended, they grew things, they planned. But everything they touched was 
blessed. Everything they touched flourished. And they, they, were, they were created in the image of God, so God spoke it, and it came to pass. So what did they do? They spoke it. And we know that from, from you know, the Bible speaks about that's how, you make, yeah, that's how you make things happen. You speak them. That's how you get saved. You speak. You pray that prayer. So it's all about our mouth, and that's why we have to get control of the mouth and give control of our mouth not to the devil, but to the Word and to God and to the Holy Spirit. So you can still have a mouth, but let your mouth be yielded to the Spirit and not, because some of us talk too much, and that's fine. If you're going to talk too much, keep talking, but talk Jesus, talk blessing, talk life, and pre tell people about Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not talk gossip and negative and, and, and all of that stuff. And so he, he was the man, the curse on the man was to, the, to, to toil with the sweat of his brow, to struggle to bring up that food and have all these challenges of the thorns and the thistles and the drought and everything else. And then for her, it was in conception and, and then labor. So obviously before that, she got pregnant like that, popped the babies out, that's God's blessing. And we can believe God for that. We can believe God for supernatural childbirth, and many of us have, and Jackie Mize too, and many of us can testify to that. And um, so God's grace can be on you, whatever you have to walk through. And I'm not judging anybody's birth experience, but you know what, some of us are just thankful that we are alive and our babies are alive because the devil tried to steal, amen. And, but the devil is a lie, and we're here, and so thank God. So thank God for doctors when we needed them and all of those things. But, uh, you know, we always put our faith out for the best, and then whatever comes our way, God will give us the grace to walk through it. Because we're not in heaven yet, right? So we, we're going to face challenges, but the devil, we can never let the devil win. Never let him. He's always going to, whatever the devil tries to do, God will turn around for good and make it a testimony. Amen. So when I was believing God before I had children, thank God my mom had five kids, I was breech. Came out feet first. That she could have said, that's it, I'm having no more. <laughs> no more kids. And she had five more, or four more, and she never, never, ever spoke negatively to me about childbirth. So I went blissfully unaware into having babies, and I'm very thankful for that because I did many, a lot of the problems we have in childbirth it's because we are afraid, and boy, they try to make you afraid. In America, when you go to those classes, they tell you the worst case scenarios and make you so afraid, and it's that fear that makes you tense up and makes labor so much harder, and then, you know, things, fear is a self-fulfilling prophecy, so we've got, a, we've got a nip fear in the bud. That's a temptation more for women almost than men, I think, is fear in all kinds of areas of our life, and so we have to recognize fear when we see it, and we have to take authority over it by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we've got to go to the Word and the promises of the Lord and just drive that mess out of our life. And whatever you do, don't, don't make decisions based on fear. Make it out of faith. Don't fear over your children. Don't worry. You know, as moms, yeah, we see things, we notice things, we, we can be concerned, and that's fine. I, I don't want you to be like, oh, I didn't see that coming, right? Because the Lord will show you. He'll warn you, but he wants you. So at that point, what do you do? You cast the key on the Lord and you pray, 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 pray. Amen. And trust God. Trust God with your children. Whatever you do, do it in faith, and, and be in faith, and pray rather than worrying about things. And so I said to the Lord, you know, it was funny because I was believing God for supernatural childbirth, and all these faith preachers started coming into town telling us we couldn't. There was two different guys coming. I don't know. I don't know if they were basing it off of their wife's birth experience, but I'm sorry. I'm not basing my life off of your experience. I want to base my life off of what the Word of God says, Right? I'm sorry you had a bad experience, but I, I don't have to, I don't have to, I'm not you, and I, I'm not living your life, I'm living mine. So I went to the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, 
these guys are telling me I can't believe the Lord for a painless childbirth. They're not girls, they're boys. Never in their life are they going to have to give birth. So they need to basically, Lord, I think they need to sit down and shut up <laughs> and not have a say about it unless they're going to speak life and faith to me. So I'm like, Lord, I don't care what some boy says who's never going to have to push a baby out or carry him. I want to hear what you have to say. And so the Lord took me to Isaiah 53, and he said, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, verse 4, four through 6. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we healed. All that we, all we like sheep have gone astray, turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our sorrow, our pain, our grief, physical, mental, Every pain, every grief, any, anything you can experience in life of pain and grief was laid upon Jesus Christ and he took it. Amen. And so I said, thank you, Lord, very much. Um, it, you know, it's not, it's not even the same word in the Hebrew, but I don't fr frankly care. In the English, it's the same word. And God gave it to me and it's mine and you can't have it. Well, you can have it for yourself, but you're not taking it away from me. Amen. So I said, thank you, Lord. I will have painless childbirth. Well, uh, you know, thank God, God gave me some good books, publications that I read, and they said, you know, your body's, you're exerting 100 pounds of pressure in muscles that you don't normally use. And so that's why it's called labor. So you don't have to call it, you know, pain, just call it labor, because it's work. There's labor. In everything we do, there's labor. So we still love on this earth, we're not in heaven yet, so we have to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. So we have to work, but God will bless the work of our hands. The Holy Spirit gives us creative ideas, and God blesses us with favor that people just take a whole business and say, hey, um, I'm retiring. I don't, do you want this business? Here it is. What's that? That's the, that's the promises of land that you haven't worked for that just gets handed to you. Houses that are built, someone else put the money and the effort and the sweat and the blood, sweat and tears into building something and it's just gonna come into your hands. And then the Bible says that the unsaved are working to give it to you, the righteous. Hallelujah. So our job is just to make sure that we are upright and we are righteous. Because just because someone's a Christian doesn't mean they're righteous. There's a lot of people that come around and wanna do oh, business deals in the church because they think we're gullible. Because we believe the best of every person to rip you off. So not everybody is honest. <coughs> And don't be, don't be upset when you find out some Christian's not really a Christian, then the Christian name only, um, but just recognize, mock that man, and don't do business with him. If they're not a tither, don't go into business with them. Don't be unequally yoked, because if they're going to rob God, they're going to cheat you. Amen. And so, so I went into having these three babies. I did not have any pain meds. They didn't offer me any either. Um, they, just, they just left me there to labor. I had a 23-hour labor with the first one. Um, and actually, she was two weeks early, so I went into labor, and then I kind of sort of went out of labor. By the time I got to the hospital, sort of everything slowed down. I could have had an emergency C-section. I didn't realize she was too high and turned the wrong way. Well, when we realized it, we prayed. We said, baby, move down and be born normally. And, and three hours later, she moved. She was, she was born. In fact, I mean, I didn't even know she was coming out, I have to be honest with you. And I had no, no epidural. And my husband said, the baby has brown hair. And I thought, oh no, I, I'm you know, gonna still get the head out. I thought she was crowning. Meantime, her whole head was out. Nobody told me anything. <laughs> so I gave this, so I just pushed with all my, nobody, I just decided on my, I pushed so hard 
she launched. So when my husband did that pop, she did, she whew. And so he's holding one leg and, you know, they put you in a horrible position. You really need to be like up on your, uh, you know, this way, not like lying, you know, that's for the doctor's convenience. You're lying there so that they can see better. Thank you. Um, not for anything else. It's uh, all the prayer requests. There's people ready to take your call. Pray, you know, call in and they'll pray for you. And then we're going to pray on all of these now and shortly. Anyway, so. Anyway, so he, my husband went to grab the baby and the doctor knocked his hand out the way. And anyway, poor, poor baby. But anyhow, so they didn't even have to like give her a spanking to make her cry. She like, bam, on the table. Anyhow. So then with the second one, I'm like, okay, tell me what's going on here so I don't do that. But God's grace was on me with all three of them. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I wasn't just sitting there having a cup of tea like you do on an epidural. I was, <laughs> I, was I had to breathe, I had to focus, but it, and it was labor, but it was, I cannot say it was painful. And so I'm thankful for that. Now, some people feel absolutely nothing and pop their baby out in half an hour. Whew, they're awesome. I'm glad for you. And some people don't. And some people have, anyway, let's not go into all that. But we can, we can, we can believe God for any area of our life, whatever you can have the faith for. You know, go settle it with the Lord. Don't take someone else's opinion. Go ask the Lord what he, what he you know. And I would do that with everything. When Kelly was born with cystic fibrosis, you know, the Lord warned me ahead of time. Um, I knew something was wrong, and all along the way, God gave me word. Before I even knew I needed them, God gave me words from His word of encouragement to help me to keep my eyes on Him and His word and not put my eyes on the devil and what the devil was doing and be defeated. Because God's plan for you is not to be defeated, but is to be, to be an overcomer and to win. And so, whatever you're facing in your life, you can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need a scripture for, for this thing in my life. And God will give you a scripture. And He did. He gave me a word to stand on, because you have to have something to attach your faith to, so, and, it, and it, it's a, the promises of God. So God, Numbers 23, 19 through 20 says, God is not a man he sh that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, will he not do it? Has he spoken, will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. So we are, de we are deserving a blessing not based on us, but based on him. And God keeps his word, we receive if we believe. Hebrews 6, 13 through 15, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So God blessed Abraham and, uh, and, and I mean, Adam and Eve, he blessed Abraham, he blessed Noah, he blessed Isaac, Jacob, and those promises are ours. God's blessing is on us. As far as if God has his way in your life, he speaks blessing over you. He spoke blessing over you in your mother's womb. He spoke blessings over you when you came out. He's been speaking blessings over you your whole life. And the devil's tried to steal that from you, lie to you, not let you hear God's voice. But God's blessing has been over you, his hand on you, his call. You did not know it, perhaps, until that moment that you were born again. But God's blessings are yours and always have been and been reserved especially for you. Amen. Amen. And God stands over his word, Jeremiah 1, 2. The, the, the Lord said, you've seen well, I'm alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. For my Isaiah 55, 
Verse 8 through 11 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than yours. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven returns not thither, but waters the earth, makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give forth seed to the sower, bread to the eaters, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Now I want you to go quickly to Second uh, Kings chapter 2, and from verse 8. And I was going to read that, but read it, but I'm not going to. So you open your Bible to 2 Kings 8, I mean 4 verse 8. And if you, in this church, you've heard this preached many times. If not, maybe not. But it's about the Shunammite woman. How many of you heard about the Shunammite woman, right? So she was um, a very a rich and influential woman. And she, oh, she, she um, noticed that the... the uh, the prophet was coming by, and so she said to her husband, look, we need, we need to make a room for him. So she created a room for him. She put a bed and a lamp and a chair, and she said to him, you're welcome. Anytime you want to come, you come. We'll feed you. We'll take care of you. We will bless you. Well, he would come and go, and uh, he would come and rest, and one day he came in, and God started to, to stir him. Now, she never asked for anything in return, but God started to stir him up to bless her. That, you know, it wasn't just something he came up with in his own mind. God stirred him up to bless her. And he said, he said um, to Gehazi, you know, uh, call her. She come and he said, okay, you've been most painstakingly and reverently con concerned for us. What is to be done for you? So he offered her all of these things. You want to, you know, do you want some favor? Do you need me to talk to the king or the command of the army? And she's like, I dwell among my own people. They're sufficient. I have everything that I need. It's fine. Look, I'm, I just want to bless you. I don't need anything. I'm fine. I'm taken care of. There's nothing that you have. It's, it's, that's it. But there was a desire of her heart that she had given up on, and that was to have a child. And the servant knew about it, and he, he told Elisha, and he said, look, the, the thing is, she, she doesn't have a child, and her husband's old. You know, with, with Abraham and Sarah, they were both old, and she was barren. And in this case, the husband was old. I don't know how much older he was than her. It doesn't say she was old. It just says the husband was old. And so he calls her, and he said, he said, at this season, when the time comes around, you're going to embrace his son. And she said, no, my Lord, don't lie to me. So it's like, you know, this is, I mean, you know, you, you're merrily going along, and then suddenly that desire of your heart that you had even given up on, that the Lord, and you're like, oh, just don't, don't look, don't, look don't, don't mess with my feelings. This is so personal. I mean, you're going merrily along, and suddenly the Lord, and you suddenly, you, you don't realize that all that emotion is attached to this thing, because you just, you just squished it down, and you're just carrying on, and you just, you know, you, you've just lived with this thing. Um, you've just accepted that this is the way that it is, and then God goes, well, I'm going to do this for you. What do you do? I'd start crying. I don't know about you. I'd be a mess. And, uh, and she's like, okay. Don't mess with me. Don't just, you know, don't just say that unless you mean it. <laughs> because this is so, such a deep desire. This is so personal. This goes to my heart. You know, don't mess me around. And he said, no, listen, next year, the same season, you'll be holding a child. And so sure enough, she conceived. In fact, he said a son. So she conceived and she bore a son at that season, the following year, exactly as, as he had said to her, okay? So the child grows up. Hallelujah. Everything's wonderful. Suddenly he goes out one day. So cried out, my head, my head, I don't know, maybe he had an aneurysm, I don't know what happened with his head, and the kid dies. Well, this woman had enough faith in God to know 
that God doesn't give and take away. I don't care what Job said. Job repented. Job repented of saying dumb stuff. God does not give and take away. And, the, and you do not want to stand there and sing that song, God gives and takes away. He gonna, you, why, why build that mess into your brain of God gives and takes away? The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow. No sorrow with it, no sorrow. And you can t- take, have the sorrow if you want to, but you don't have to. Amen. And so she doesn't even tell her husband, right? She, does, she doesn't let that negativity come out of her mouth. But she says, listen, she tells her husband, she shuts the door. She says, I need a donkey and I need to go to the man of God. So he's like, what do you want to do that? It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. And she says to him, it will be all right. It'll be all right. She saddles the donkey. She tells her, her servant, ride fast and don't slow down unless I tell you. You know, don't try and ride slowly because you're trying to give me a comfortable ride. Just book it. Get on the street, book it as fast as you can. And so she said, I came to the man of God in my Carmel. And when he saw her, he sent the servant to run and meet her and said, is it well with you, well with the child? What did she say? It is well. It is well. When she came to the mountain, to the man of God, she clung to his feet. She still hasn't spoken it out of her mouth. She did not speak death. She did not speak defeat. She did not speak death over her child, even though her child was dead. And, and the man of God said, um, so Gehazi tried to pull her away. And the man said, leave her alone because her soul's bed and vexed within. And the Lord has hidden from me and has not told me. And then she said, didn't I desire a son of the, my Lord? Didn't I say, don't deceive me? And he said to Gehazi, and then he knew something's up. So he said to Gehazi, gird up your loins, take my staff in your hand, go lay it on the face of the child. Don't talk to anybody on the way, go all the way. And so the mother of the child says to him, listen, I'm not leaving you. You, can't, you, get, you said God would give me the kid, he did, and I'm not leaving till I get what I came for. And she still never out of her mouth said, my child's dead. She never, she said, what did she say? It's going to be all right, and it is well. It didn't matter what her circumstances, she chose to agree with God's word that said, you will have a son. And she had enough relationship with the Lord to understand God doesn't give you something to snatch it away from you. He's not capricious. He's not mean. He's not cruel. That's the devil. He doesn't give you something to snatch it away. But the devil is a thief, so he's going to come in and try and steal. He doesn't come in where you expect it. He comes in where you don't expect it. He tries to catch you unawares. I don't know whatever the devil's done in your life, but it is well. It is all right. He, maybe everything, maybe it looks like everything's died. Don't let that come out of your mouth. Don't agree with the mess that the devil's trying to get you to agree with. Because with, as, far as, as far as the world is concerned, a death means everything is over. Lazarus, uh, he's dead, been dead four days. He stinks. It's too late. If only you had been here. But it's never too late for God. Hallelujah. There's always an opportunity for a resurrection if we will attach our faith to God's word. So there may be some words God spoke to you a long time ago that you gave up on because the devil 
came and lied to you and stole from you and did what? No, God's going to revive some of those dreams. God's going to revive some of those desires. God's going to revive some things in your body. He's going to bring some things to life. He thinks some things, some doors that were shut, some things that are closed, some things that look impossible. God is going to come in and he is going to revive that thing in your life. Revival in your body from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. A resurrection, amen. A resurrection in, in, your, in your marriage, to restore a marriage. Perhaps there'd been a divorce or a separation or that God will bring a resurrection in your marriage, that God will bring a resurrection in your relationship with your children, with whatever the situation is in your life. And so she said, I'm not leaving. So Gazi, he had no choice. So he, he headed back there and well, Gehazi, the, the, you know, Gehazi put his staff on the child's face, but he didn't sp speak or hear. So he went back to Elisha and says, the child has not awakened. And Elisha arrived at the house. Elisha was on his way. The child was dead and laid upon his bed. So the, word, the Bible tells us the truth. The kid was dead. The kid was dead. But the mom refused. And mom, she had the authority. Understand, you have the authority. Don't give the authority to the enemy. Don't hand it over to him like Eve did. Don't, don't, don't do that. You already have it. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you you don't have it. So just as Eve already had it, she believed the lie of the devil, and what happened? She was defeated because she believed a lie. You are only going to be defeated if you believe the lie. So you have to believe the word. Amen. And so he went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Listen, not everybody can stand in faith with you for things. Jesus chased everybody out except only two of his disciples. He didn't take all 12 in. He just took two. I mean, who wants Downing Thomas in there? But he took the two that he trusted. And he took them there to be a witness to what happened. Because he needed to have a witness. And, I mean, they were there in the Mount of Transfiguration. And they were there as a, as a witness to testify to these things. I mean, you didn't bring everybody in. You don't have to bring everybody into your life. You don't have to share with everybody. But there needs to be some people that are strong in faith and that can agree with you for to believe God, amen, and that are not going to speak, you know, pray with you and then walk out and speak nonsense over, over your life. So you don't want to tell everybody what's going on in your life because you don't want them to speak nonsense over your life. You know, that's why you don't want everybody to pray over you either, just, to, just pray in tongues. A lot of people, uh, this religious spirit, <coughs> such a... What, what can we pray for you for? Really, they're just trying to find out info on you. That's all. It's like praying tongues for me and whatever the Holy Ghost says. Are you not led by the Holy Spirit? Why do I need to tell you what I need? Just pray for praying tongues. Don't have time for all that nonsense. Anyway, so he went up and lay on the child, put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself out and embraced him, the child's flesh became warm. He returned, walked in the house, to and fro, went up again, stretched himself out on him. The child sneezed seven times, opened his eyes. Elisha called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. He called her when she came. She said, take up your son. She came at his feet, bowing herself on the ground, took him up and went out. And the husband was none the wiser. And maybe she told him after the fact. But I just wanted to encourage you with that, that God has made you promises and he has blessed you. And maybe you've allowed the devil to, to rob from you. But today, everything changes. Amen. We're going to take back, take it back, take back whatever the devil's stolen. And he owes us seven times more. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to make the devil pay 
we, we're going we're gonna to make him pay for what, whatever he, whatever he, whatever area he attacked your life and tried to lob, rob and steal and destroy. We're going to make him pay. And we're going to lift Jesus up. You know, when I, with our daughter, we just decided, you know what, we, we're going we're gonna to preach healing harder. Even while we had that challenge in our own life, we're not going to back off. We're going to preach healing harder. We're going to book another meeting. We're going to pray for some more people. We're going to do more for the Lord because that's the only way you can hurt the devil. You can't, you can't physically abuse him, even if you'd like to kick his head in. Um, you know, you, you, can't, you can't argue. You can't, fight, you can't do it in the flesh, but you can, you can defeat him by getting people saved, healed, and delivered, and by being a victor in your own life. Amen. And an overcomer and bringing God glory in your own life. And so, the Bible says in Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith, 2.4, in Romans 1.17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, the just shall live by faith, Galatians 3, verse 11. No one is justified by the law, but the just shall live by faith. And then, you know, I read you um, Isaiah 55, and uh, verse 1 through 3 speaks about Wait and listen, everyone is thirsty. Come to the waters, he who has no money. Come by and eat. Yes, come by priceless spiritual wine and milk without money, without price. Simply for the self-surrender that accepts the blessing. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your earnings for that which does not satisfy? Hearken diligently to me, eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness, the profuseness of spiritual joy. Hallelujah. That's what fatness, the oil that, that signifies the anointing, but it also signifies spiritual joy, the profuseness, the abundance of spiritual joy. Incline your ear, submit and consent to the divine will and come to me here and your soul will revive and I will make an everlasting covenant or league with you, even the sure mercy, kindness, goodwill and compassion promised to David. And then what I read you earlier when he, uh, he talks about my thoughts are not your ways because as the rain comes down heaven, so he's talking about the mercy of God because people say, oh, God's ways are higher than our ways. He killed your child. Garbage, 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 and you are twisting the word of God and you ought to be ashamed of yourself and you need to repent because he's talking about mercy, he's talking about grace, and he's talking about his goodness. And he says, my ways of forgiveness and good, because we, we, we think people should pay the penalty for being bad. I mean, we don't want, we don't want to, but we shouldn't think they should. <laughs> but, but God's forgiveness is what we don't understand, what we don't comprehend. That's foreign to, to, to the carnal mind. It might seem normal to you now because that's because you're born again. But to the carnal mind, forgiveness is a foreign concept. Punishment is what they understand. So those, you look at those cultures without God, all of their gods were mad at them. So they had to make even human sacrifices to appease their gods. They murdered their own children to appease these gods. A lie of the stinking devil but God didn't ask us to sacrifice our children. He sacrificed his child, hallelujah, for us. And so God says that he's, his word goes out and it comes back having accomplished that which he sent it out to. And then in the, the, the first part of that whole chapter, it's talking about, you know, everyone who's thirsty, come and buy this priceless Spiritual wine and milk, again, you, you, can't, you can't pay for it. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. 1 Corinthians 7.23, you were bought with the price, purchased with the preciousness paid for by Christ. So don't yield yourself up to become, in your own estimation, slaves to men, but consider yourself a slave to Christ. Consider yourself a servant of His, that you belong to Him. And so right now, I want us to, to 
partake of this priceless spiritual wine and milk without price. Don't spend your money on that which isn't bread, your earnings that, on those things that don't satisfy, but come and eat what's good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness, the profuseness of spiritual joy. So he wants us to come and eat and drink at his table. I don't care if you don't feel like that you deserve it. I don't care if you feel like that you let God down and you failed him. I don't care. God says, come and drink and eat and enjoy my blessings. I am pouring it out on you. I'm not asking you to pay for it. I'm just asking you to surrender. The self-surrender that accepts the blessing. All he requires is our surrender. So I am going to ask him today for anything, whatever that the devil has stolen, we're taking it back today. Amen. We're reclaiming. And that the, it is going to be made up to us. And the dead is going to be brought to life. And the desires that we have even forgotten about that God is going to revive. And I believe that we are going to hear some awesome, we heard some testimonies today. And there's a lot more people have told me, I have a great testimony from last year, so we want to hear them all. But we're going to hear even more testimonies from what the Lord is going to do here. Amen. And that He is doing and that He has already done. And so I, I want you to go out of this place with a refreshing. I want you to go out filled up. I know some of you could just join us for two, two nights, just a couple of nights and you have to go. There's other people still coming in. But I just want you to be refreshed. I want you to be filled up to overflowing because only when you are filled up can you overflow to others to touch others. And the Lord wants to use you. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to stand up. We're going to lift up our hands to heaven. We're going to put our eyes on Jesus, and we're going to, we're going to say this. We're going to say, Lord, Lord refresh, me today. refresh me today. Fill me up today. Pour in the oil. Pour in the wine. Fill me up to overflowing. Fill me up with your joy. Fill me up with your peace. Fill me with your presence. Lord, come and touch me. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Lord, burn with your purifying fire. Burn everything out of me that's not of you. Every lie of the enemy. Burn it out, Father. Anything in my life that's not pleasing to you. Lord, come touch. Come burn it out. Lord, renew me. Revive me. Refresh me. Thank you that by your Holy Spirit, refreshing comes. And so, Lord, I receive a refreshing. I receive a reviving. I receive strength for today. Fill me to overflowing. I receive it now. I want to pray over you right now. Father, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, if they've never been touched, touch them right now. Touch them. Empower them right now. Fill them. Purify their heart, Lord. Fill them with your presence. Lord, if they've been touched already, give them a fresh touch. Give them a fresh touch. Lord, if they came hungry and thirsty, 
touch them right now. Thank you, Lord. If they weren't even expecting, surprise them and fill them right now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. I speak rivers. Rivers, I command joy to come bubbling out of your belly. I speak rivers of living water. Rivers, 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 rivers of living water. Rivers, rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. You can put your hand on your belly and say, spring up, oh well. <laughs> spring up, oh well. Spring up, oh well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your joy. Joy, joy, joy. Thank you for your refreshing. Refreshing. I speak 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 a refreshing. I speak a reviving. Fresh air. A re refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Spring up a well. It's not just a well, but it's a river that springs up on the inside of you. A river of refreshing. A river of deliverance. Hallelujah. Oh, Oh, langa sivo shovri bravra. Fire, 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 fire. Fire in the name of Jesus. Fire. Lord, bypass these heads. You don't get it with your head, you get it with your heart. Switch off your head and receive with your heart. Receive refreshing. Receive a fresh touch right now in Jesus' name. It is well. It is well. It is well. It is well, 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 hallelujah, it is well. Oh, <laughs> I see a reviving, I see a reviving, I see a refreshing. Oh, I see God is healing some things, He's restoring some things. There's some things that were taken out of you. He's putting it back in you right now. That could be in the spirit. It could be, it could be in your body. God can renew. He can replace. Hallelujah. You don't need an organ transplant. You just need the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I don't care if the devil has spoken death over your life. If, if, the, if the, you've got bad news from the doctor, we don't agree with that because it is well, it is all right. It is well, it is, it is all right. It's not going to be all right. It is all right. Oh, flamma shendro bigeto salabasan. Oh, lava simbre bobobrobrobokos. Do it, Lord. Oh, vadimasengo show. Limsam. I don't care what's happened in the past. I don't care. I don't care if it looks like a full stop and it looks like an end. It doesn't look, if it looks like it's, it's dead, that thing is stinking already, it's time for a resurrection. It's, a, it's, a, it's resurrection day. It's resurrection day. It's resurrection day. Oh, la mama mama, because those dreams that you've forgotten about, those dreams that, that you've laid aside because 
It seemed like it was the end and impossible. It's not. God is he's opening that book back up. He's opening that back up. And I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what you have to think of or what you have to say about it. He's gonna bless you anyway. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh Lama Sindro Bokoshi. Oh, there's some of you that they said you could never have children or you could never have another child. No, in the name of Jesus. A revival is coming to your womb in the name of Jesus Christ. God is healing, He's rearranging, He's putting everything back where it's supposed to be. Hola mamambam broke sivro bro korbana naman senj dombrefot elubite no makasindos vitra mamamango shindremos porobo palabatsa I really feel this in the department of children and babies and you know maybe you don't plan to have any more children maybe you're a Sarah already but maybe there was some some that damage was done in the process of giving birth God is healing it right now He is healing that right now He's healing that right now there's some pain and hurt that we have attached to loss. God is healing that area of your heart. He's healing that area of your heart right now. Just receive it. You can take it. If you're watching right now, you can receive this for yourself. You can take any word, any word that's given forth. It might be for somebody specifically, but you can receive it for you. He's in the revival business. <laughs> He's in the business of bringing things back to life. Dreams back to life. Bodies back to life. Hearts back to life. Marriages back to life. Ministry callings back to life. Hallelujah. Oh, there's people that have God, there's a, there's a hand of God on them for ministry and they walked away and they feel like they can never come back and God says, I will restore because I want to use you. Hallelujah.